how we doing? Good, 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 good. Well, we are excited you're here. I'm excited you're here. Um, if you have your Bibles, grab those. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12 this morning. Luke chapter 12. Um, as you're turning there, just a couple things to, to share with you before we jump into uh, where we'll be. Uh, Luke 12, 13, and we'll get there here in just a few minutes. Um, but first thing, first thing uh, I want to bring before you is, I want to show you a picture. Um, uh, this is uh, Brenton. Brenton preached here a few weeks ago. Um, he left not long after preaching here, a couple a week or so, and then he went to Nepal. Um, and so this is Anjan. Anjan is the uh, gentleman on the ground there, um, and he uh, took him some of our merch. Uh, and so he uh, is representing all the way over in Nepal, and so I just thought that was pretty cool. Uh, this is his wife, who uh, also has a shirt as well, who can make disciples. And so I just thought that was a, a neat, just kind of cool thing that, that you can see wanted to put before you. I know uh, Britain's one that we support. Um, his ministry as he goes and trains and uh, I mean, just, just loves to share the gospel, and so... Uh, like I said, I wanted to lay that before you, uh, as well as talk for just a brief moment about um, Riverview. Uh, Riverview was a church uh, that Brenton used to be at, uh, said that a few weeks ago, that he has stepped away from there. Uh, Riverview is a church that we were looking to absorb uh, and to uh, plant our first church uh, there. And so uh, with Brenton stepping away and just in some conversations and things, they, they reached out to me uh, a few weeks ago and said, hey, uh, Scott, this is, we just don't feel comfortable continuing to move this direction. Um, and so, I uh, just wanted to bring that before you uh, and let you know uh, uh, kind of the plans there. I know we were looking and praying and uh, felt like this was the direction God was going to lead us. And so, uh, we're excited about that. And then to have this, this happen, uh, all in God's timing, God knows what He's doing. And so, uh, just to be transparent from my side where I'm kind of at, there's, there's a heart of a little bit of disappointment. Um, because again, I know this, this is the heart behind, uh, the DNA behind this church. We want to be a church that doesn't just grow larger here, but as we grow larger here, we want to be able to send out and reach even more people everywhere. And so, uh, so there's the disappointment factor, and then there was a moment of kind of feeling foolish. Like, Scott, you brought us to church, you shared this with them, we prayed about it, we, yeah. And then it didn't happen, um, and so don't you feel a little foolish? Uh, yes, until God reminded me uh, that there is no reason to be foolish when you walk out in obedience to Him. Uh, and so the, the way that I look at it, the way that I see it, and just spending time with the Lord... Um, God's always about our obedience, uh, and are we willing to step out and trust Him and start to walk in that direction? And so for me, uh, that's, that's how I do it. Like, I pray, and as I pray, begin to move in the direction that I feel like God's leading, and if He doesn't want me to go that direction, um, he's, he's quite big and well enough to, to slow me down or to revert me into a different direction, and um, I believe that He's about our obedience and our trust. Will we step out and will we trust and will we pursue Him in that? And so then from there after those feelings, kind of went to excitement. Because what that means is this, is that if it's not Riverview, then it's somewhere else. And so we need to be praying, we need to be seeking uh, to see what God would have for us next or where he would lead us to be able to, uh, again, to plant church, to send people out. Um, and so we'll just continue to pursue, pray, and see what God has for us. And so um, I, just, I just remember a professor in college making this statement. It's just always stuck with me. He said that there, for the believer, there's no such thing as bad news only updates on God's will for your life. And so I just believe this is an update on God's will for us as a church. The answer for Riverview is no, not now, uh, that he's got something else different for us. And so we'll continue to pray, pursue, and seek what that may be and walk in that whenever he reveals and has it for us. And so um, I'm going to ask you to join me as we pray, and then we'll, we'll get ready and jump into uh, Luke chapter 12 here. Um, Father, we, again, we love you and we thank you. Um, and God, we just, we just want to seek you. Uh, Lord, that's why we gather in this room this morning, is to hear from you, to grow in you, to know you deeper. Uh, and so, Lord, as we uh, open up your word, I just pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would just work in our hearts, work in this place. Father, that you would reveal uh, things to us about us. Father, that you would uh, show us maybe some areas that, that there may be sin or there may be struggle or there may be, uh, Father, us holding on to too tightly to things that don't matter and that you would reveal that and you would draw us back to you and that we would repent of our sin. And Father, that through your scriptures, you would encourage us, you would press us on, Father, that you would remind us of, of who you are and how great and awesome and mighty you truly are. And so, Father, we thank you, we praise you for what you're going to do in this place this morning. Father, if there be a heart that don't know you as Lord, I pray, God, that you would reveal that to them, that you would draw them and save them and rescue them, Father. I pray that. And Father, for our graduates this morning, Lord, as, as they get ready to step out uh, for what's next in their life, God, that you would just continue just to walk with them like you have, that you would guard them and protect them, and that you would show them the directions that they need to go, the places they need to, to go, the things they need to do. 
And so, Father, I just pray, God, this morning that you would be glorified. Father, everything that we say, do, every, every song that we've sung, everything that, that takes place in this room this morning is to make much of you. It's for your glory and for your honor. Father, you're the only reason why we gather in this place. So may you be glorified. And we pray, amen. Amen. So uh, we are week five into our little series before we get full-fledged into summer, um, and it's a parable series, and we're just walking through uh, some of the different parables or stories that Jesus told throughout the scriptures. And so I uh, just love how God sets things up because I believe that this is one that has been set up perfectly. Uh, I know that it's graduation Sunday, and this is one that's not just for graduates, but graduates, hear me, you need to listen to this. This, this is a great, great uh, lesson that Jesus is going to teach, a great story uh, that Jesus is about to, uh, to tell. And so um, his perfect word, I believe he set this up perfectly for us um, uh, so that we can hear some things, that we can be reminded of some heavyweighty truth and things that really, really matter uh, the most in life. And so as I was praying and preparing this week, just kind of seeing, okay, God, what, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? Where, where do you want to take this? Uh, uh, this? This question just kind of kept resonating in my heart. This question just kind of kept stirring in my heart. And the question is, what is life? What is life? And, and, and that's, that's a big question. That, that's a heavy, weighty question, a good question, a deep question. And it's a question that I believe Jesus answers as he prays uh, a, a prayer to the Father over in John 17, 3. And this is what he prays. He says, this is eternal life. He says, so this is life. This is what matters in life. This is, what, this is what's most important in life. This is what uh, uh, lasts forever is, is what he says. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He says, this is life. W- what is life? Life is Jesus. Life is relationship with Christ. Life is relationship with God. This is what life is. Life is not about having things. That's not what life is. It's not about having things. Life is about knowing God. That's what life is truly about. And I would even argue that that's what the best life is about. Knowing God and walking relationally with God. It's not about your school. It's not about your degree. It's not about your job. It's not about your promotion. It's not about your kids. It's not about your bank account. It's not about things. It's not about stuff. But it's about relationship with God through Jesus. And so what we're going to see in this story this morning is that that Jesus is going to tell this parable. He's going to tell this story and help the people here in this moment, these hearers, uh, get over a question that's been asked. So there's a man in the story here. Luke 12, 13 says this. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So, so there's this gentleman in the crowd, as he's there in the crowd, he, he approaches Jesus and he tells Jesus to, to, to do this thing for him, to help him out, to hook a brother up, let him know that his brother needs to be, uh, uh, needs to be sharing things, needs to be gracious. And so Jesus has a word for this guy, as well as the crowd that hears this, as well as for us this morning sitting in this sanctuary some 2,000 years removed from this story. And so this is what Jesus says to him in verse 14. Man, who made me a judge and arbitrator over you? And so in essence, what Jesus is saying is like, that's not why I'm here. That's not the purpose of my existence. That's not why I'm here, this, here in this place. That's not what I've come to do to, to settle these little matters like this. It, Jesus is here for so much more. And so my hope this morning for us is this, is, is that God will just reveal maybe some areas of our heart uh, where maybe there's some covetousness that exists Maybe where there's a desire for abundance that ends on self-pleasure. That, that God would reveal maybe those, uh, those little uh, things nestled down in our heart that, that aren't focused on Him, that aren't uh, uh, dedicated fully and solely to Him. And my hope and prayer is that in this, as we look at this and as we walk through this, is that we'll feel conviction. And then that conviction will bring about brokenness, and that brokenness will draw us to repentance over sin and rebellion. And so Jesus goes on in verse 15, and he says to them, this is what he says. This is his response to this. Take, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So there it is. Life's not about the abundance of your possessions. There it is, the, the crux of what this story is going to be about, the, the driving force behind this story that Jesus is about to tell. There it is. Be careful and don't be covet. Don't, don't covet like crazy. And, 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 and your life isn't all about what you have, your abundance of your stuff and your possessions. And so I just kind of just a little, little preface this morning for us. It's not bad to have stuff. 
That, that, that's not what Jesus is saying here. And so what we're going to see in this story is this farmer. And so it's not bad. It's not a bad thing to be a productive farmer. It's not a bad thing when your land produces a, a plentiful. It's not a bad thing when your business prospers. Those, those are not bad things. It's not a bad thing when you have a promotion and get a pay raise. It's not a bad thing when your investments increase in value. That's not the evil in the story. That's not uh, the point that Jesus is trying to make. The point that he's trying to make is to be careful and don't covet. Guard your heart from that. Guard your heart from uh, an abundance of possessions just to have stuff for the sake of just having stuff. To be all about having stuff. See, life is not about what you have, but rather who you have. That's what life is about. Not what you have, but who you have. That's what Jesus said there in John 17. It's about having relationship with him, having a relationship with God. So the evil in the parable is not having stuff. So, so let's, let's, let's dive in this morning and start to walk through this. Verse 16, as we continue on our, our journey. And so Jesus tells them this parable. So this is how Jesus responds to this. He's, he said what he said, and now he's going to go a little bit deeper. and He's going to tell a story, as he often would, um, to, to kind of illustrate a very important truth here. And so he tells this story saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. In verse 17, and he thought to himself, this is the farmer, this is the guy uh, that, that has this abundance. He thought to himself, what shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? Seems pretty legit, right? Does it, doesn't seem like too much going on yet. Okay, he's had an abundance of crops. This is great, this is good. What am I going to do with it? And so he begins to think to himself, which is normally the, the process that this happens. You see something, you perceive something, uh, uh, there it is. You begin to think about it, you begin to kind of uh, uh, reason through it, walk through, what do I do, what do I not do? And, and so for me, it's, it's a little bit alarming because we'll see this kind of be uh, on repeat throughout this story. Him thinking to himself, him being alone in this thought process and then acting upon it. And so uh, I bang this drum all the time. But, but church, this is what we need. We need people in our life that are for the Lord and for us in the Lord. We need relationship in our life where people will be honest and truthful us and tell us the truth. That's what we need in our Life. See, see we, we don't need to be like um, American Idol. And what I'm talking about is like the first like, like week of American Idol, like the fun part of American Idol. You know what I'm saying? Like when, when, the, when the dude from the, the little hometown who uh, uh, used to sing in his school plays or whatever it was that really can't sing but bless his little heart because he's just, oh, he's just a fun-loving guy and he's got a great personality. And he, mom had always told him that he was the best ever. And so he believed mom and so he gets the microphone and he heads to the, to, to the big stage. And he gets it. And what happens? He comes up there. He's introduced to the judges. And he's like, I want to be singing this song. And it sounds like a broken record. It sounds like a cat dying out in the back alley. It sounds awful. And, and the judges are just like this. And, and, and the, the host is kind of like, oh. And, and, like the pit, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. And he really thinks he's doing something. And, and, and I watch that, and I'm appalled, not because of how bad it is, because that would be me, yo. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's what I would sound like. That's why I said over here kind of away from, or if I can kind of like hide myself within some people that can sing, then I can kind of sing a little bit because it kind of maybe think it's me, but it's, anyways. So my thought is, where are the people that love this dude? Why have they never told him the truth? And another thought is like, mama would never lie to me. Probably most, maybe, Lee. Uh, she did, but anyways, because she loves you. She didn't love you enough in this moment anyways. But, but you see what I'm saying? It's like, like, where is the people in his life to tell him the truth? And, and as I read this story, that's what I thought about. That's what I thought. Where, where, where is his people at? Where is his people at? Why haven't they, they told him? Why haven't they stepped in? Why haven't, why haven't they, uh, they, they shared truth with him? You don't have to be over there thinking by yourself. That, that's the beautiful thing about the church is that, is that we should be for each other, that we should be for the Lord. We should be for the Lord in you working and doing, and we should celebrate when God does stuff. But we should also tell you the truth. We should also share truth in a loving, gracious, good way because we all need accountability. Every single one of us in this room needs accountability. We need transparency. We need honesty. We need support. We need encouragement. And we even need correction when we step out of line and step off track. We need those things, and those things are good and beautiful things that aid in keeping us headed in the right direction. Help keep us heading in the direction that's going to glorify the Lord and keep us focused on the way that we should be going, the way that we should be living. But not this guy. He's here thinking in this moment, thinking to himself. 
And again, like I said, I, I know the process. We, we see something, we try to figure it out, we try to begin to, to work through it. We need to pray, we need to init- uh, internalize it, think through it, all those type of things, but we need to have others in our life that we trust, that are for us and that are for the Lord, that we can run things by, that we can share with, that, that we can be honest before, honest before, so they can, they can protect us and guard us and help us from having that heartbreak of standing in front of a, a, a camera on a nationally televised TV show, getting ready to sing when you can't sing. Getting ready to do something crazy that is going to follow you for the rest of your life. I mean, love somebody enough. And so verse 18, he goes on and, and he says this. He says, I will do this. So he's thinking to himself, now he's going to act upon it. He's made the decision. He's come up with a plan. He's going to do something about it. Verse 18, he goes on and says, I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. Okay, this is good. Not a bad plan yet. It doesn't appear to be uh, bad. It doesn't appear to have anything uh, wrong going on. I mean, he, he's been blessed, and so he's got more than, than he has room for, and so he's going to build something bigger to be able to, to store it, to be able to do something with it. So still, still not a problem. God's not against this. There, there's nothing yet that, that gives us indication uh, about what he is doing that would uh, be wrong or, or, or him be stepping off track. And so then he goes on in verse 19, and he says this, I will say to my soul. So, so here he goes again. He's, he's talking to himself, which is, not a, again, not a bad thing. It's things that we do. Nobody in this room talks to you more than you. Uh, it's, just, it's just the truth, right? That, that little voice inside of you, the conversations that you have. I mean, sometimes I'll even get caught, like, doing it out loud. Like, my kids will come by, Dad, who are you talking to? But it's just me and the Lord. We just, we just, we just have a little conversation. We're just talking about something. Um, and so, so we, we talk to ourselves, not, not a problem. But I just want to remind us, man, what a treasure it is to have people in our life that we can talk to, that we can be honest before, that that we can share and be transparent, that we can intentionally walk with in a way that glorifies God, that helps us and matures us all along the way. Like, we need people. We need, nobody is called to be a, a maverick Christian out there. Or a Lone Ranger Christian out there. We're not called to be that. We're called to have a relationship. We're called to walk with We're created that way. We were created and made that way. I mean, think about over in Genesis when God created man and he said it's not good that man be alone. So what does he do? He creates him a helpmate. That's what he creates. He creates him a woman to be with him, to be a, to be a helper. And the thing is, like Adam had relationship with God. He had the greatest relationship that he could ever have. And God saw that it wasn't good for him to be alone, and so he creates and he makes. We were created for relationship, to walk relationally with others. And so I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. So there it is. Now we see the motive of his heart being revealed. Man, if he'd have just had someone to talk through this with, if it had someone to be able to share with, if it had someone to, uh, to be able to step in and just love him and care for him and us, and hey, hey, man, that, that's probably not the best idea. That, that, that's probably not the right thing because his heart here has been exposed, this, this farmer's heart. His why is on the table now. We, we've seen it, we know it, and this why is not a good thing. It's a very dangerous thing. I mean, I've laid up many years. I've got enough to lay up for many years. I can just eat, relax, eat, drink. I can be merry. And so what we see here is we see his plan to use his wealth. This is what his plan to use his wealth says. It says that he, his treasure is relaxing. His treasure is eating and drinking and having a good time that, that ends with his, his own pleasure at the utmost importance. That's what this says about him. That his treasure, his riches, his life, his longings, his desires are of utmost importance. I've got all this stuff. I've accrued all this stuff. I have it. Now I can just check out and hit cruise. Now I can just truly start to live is what, what he's thinking, where, where he's starting to land. So, see, he, he's ready to move into a life that's lived all about self, all about enjoyment, all about pleasure, all about what I can have, what I can do, what I want to do, what I don't want to do, those type of things. And he's ready to just check out. He's ready to be done, done with, and just hit cruise. And the riches in his barn is what's helping him accomplish that that's what help it's what's helping him accomplish that that's his 401k that's where his retirement is 
That's where it's going to allow him to get to the place that he thinks he wants to be, to get to the place where he thinks he should be, to get to the place where, where he can do nothing. He can just chill. He can get up when he wants to. He can do what he wants to do, live how he wants to live. He, he just wants to, to just check out and not have to worry about anything, do whatever he wants, whatever makes him happy in that moment, whatever he uh, values in that moment, he can do, he don't have to do. He, he, there's no need for a clock. There's no need for a, a purpose. There's no need for an agenda for the day. And just live and do and be I'm good now, I'm set, is what he's thinking. And that's what makes it possible. This barn, this plethora, this, this abundance of, this is what allows him to get what he really, really values. His heart's been exposed. He values relaxation. He values food. He values fun. He values parting with his, his friends. That's what he values. And I mean, those things aren't bad things. Those things are bad things when they become utmost things. That's the problem. So as I read and as I thought this week and as I knew I'd lay this before you, as this was laid before me and I had to uh, walk through and just check my heart, I, I just thought, what's so bad about this? Like, honestly, like, what's so bad? Why is this such a big deal? Why is this such an issue here? I mean, I mean he's worked, he's done, he's accomplished. All of this stuff. Why is this an issue? Why is this a big deal? And I would say it's not if there's no God and no resurrection. This isn't a big deal if there's no God and there's no resurrection. Right? I mean, if that's the case, then just live for the day. I mean, enjoy. Do whatever you want to do. Live however you want to live. But, but I don't believe for a second that that's what life's all about. I don't believe for a second that that's, that that's what's truly happened. I do believe that Jesus has resurrected from the grave. I do believe that the songs that we have sang here this morning uh, are more than just words on a screen, but should be the cry of our heart to our Savior, to our God, to our King, that, that He has defeated death, that He has kicked the grave, that, that, that He has risen in victory and will rule and will reign and will gather His church one day. I do believe all that. I don't, I don't believe for a moment that this is the way that we should live our lives. Even Paul says this in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 32, where he says, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. He even goes on to say that we are to be pitied the most. We are the foolish of all if Jesus is not resurrected from the grave, if Jesus is not alive, if Jesus hasn't beaten and defeated us. We're to be pitied the most is what he says. He says if this isn't true, oh, but we, we don't land there, do we, church? We don't land there at all. We gather in this room to celebrate the fact that Jesus has resurrected. That Jesus has defeated sin. That Jesus has made a way. That Jesus, that the true meaning of life is relationship with Christ. Whereby in that relationship of, of our faith with Him and what He's accomplished on the cross makes us right with God. Makes us right with God. We don't believe that at all. And so if, if that's the case, there is no resurrection, there is no realness to that, then it makes sense to live for the present. Because there's no infinitely valuable God to enjoy forever. But that's not where we land, is it? That's not what we believe. That's not the place that we would go to. And, and so Jesus goes on in, in verse 20 and he, he says this, But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required in, of you and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? See, see, Jesus answers and he points to and he lets the crowd know how short life is, how precious life is. I mean, I mean this guy has done all this stuff, lived his life, spent his time, his energy, his efforts on this stuff. And this is what, this is what Jesus says to him. And tonight's it. Your life is going to be required. Your, your soul is going to be required. Life is going to come to an end as you know it. And by the way, all the stuff that you've acquired, all the stuff that you've got, who's going to get it next? Who's going to have it next? What will they do with, with your wealth and your riches and all that you've accrued? I mean, isn't that, isn't that a horrible way to live life? You can't take it with Have you ever seen a hearse going down the road with a big trailer behind it? No, because that stuff don't go with you. I mean, you may dig a hole and throw it in it, that's fine and good and well, whatever you want to do with it. But, but you don't get a benefit of it. You don't get to use it. You don't have anything to do with it when you're gone from here. 
That's what Jesus is pointing to. That's what he's saying. That's what he's reminding them. That's what he's, he's reminding us. And so he's not called a fool. This guy's not called a fool because he was a productive farmer, because he was a good farmer. That's not why he's called a, a fool. See, God knows this world needs productive farmers. God knows this world needs a profitable business people. The problem is by the way he uses his riches, shows that he is worldly right but spiritually poor, and he doesn't even realize it or even care. He's worldly uh, uh, to be praised and to be uh, uh, um, lifted high and to be made much of and to be somebody you'd want to be around so maybe you can get some stuff or have some stuff. Uh, and, and so in the world's eyes, in the world's view, man, he looks great and successful and accomplished. But spiritually speaking, he's bankrupt. I would rather be poor earthly and rich spiritually because the soul doesn't die. The soul lives forever. That's what we know to be true in the Scriptures. And I think what's heartbreaking about this story is that the reality of that's so many in our world today, is it not? I mean, the amount of hours that we work, the way that we kill ourselves, the way that we try harder to make more, to get more, to accrue more, to have more, to do more, to enjoy more, to, to have stuff. And, and the problem is we have so much stuff that we don't even have time for God or even realize that we need God. We've got so much stuff that's buying for our time that we're trying to accrue, that we're trying to, to have and get and accomplish that we don't even walk out or desire or long for a relationship with the Lord. Maybe we're not even aware of it or don't even care about it. I mean, life's good, it's smooth, it's great, it's comfortable, all, all that good kind of stuff's happening and going on. Do I really need to right now? Which, which made, made me think of, did you really have to depend on God this week? Or did you just kind of accomplish and do, or just go about your normal week like you normally would have? Like, what were your affections and thoughts toward God this week? Like, we know we got to get to work, right? Like, we know we have to be at work, we have to be there at a certain time, we know we have a job we have to accomplish, to, to do, uh, to, to, to happen, to make happen. We, we've, got, we've got responsibilities, we've got things like that, we've got all these things that are pressing on us. That we, I mean, that is, we've got to do it. We've got a house to pay for, we've got cars, we've got this, we've got that. We, we've got to do those things, and, and, and that's not bad and wrong. But my question for us is this. My question for me this morning is this. Was my attention and effort and desire that strong for God as it was about all this other stuff in my life? As it was about spending time with my wife or spending time with my kids or getting to, to this ballgame or getting uh, to that event or making this happen or making that happen or heck, even showing up at work. And this isn't a like, oh, you shouldn't work, you should be at home. No, no, you should work. Why? Because that's your mission field, man. That's, that's an opportunity to take and to share and to live this out. For, for us to show and put on display, not for the sake of us getting credit and glory, but, but to show people how good and great God is. But, but what did you really do this week that was dependent upon God? That you even thought about maybe. And I know, I mean, we can, oh, well, I got out of bed. Thank you, God. I, know, I brushed my teeth. Thank you, God. I got, thank you. Yeah, but, but did you really mean it? Did you really think of it? Did it really hit you the way? I mean, it just stopped you in your tracks for a moment and you turned your eyes and heart toward heaven and you praised the God of the universe for that, for giving you the ability to be able to do. Because what I know from the God of the universe, the one that has breathed the breath of life in us and made us living beings, what, what I know from him is this, is that if he decides to stop, you drop dead now. You have no power, no energy, no strength, nothing on your own. You are puny, weak, and insignificant. Every one of us in this room is, that's what we are. And if it wasn't for the God of the universe that allows our heart to beat and pulsate blood through our veins to our organs, keeping us alive, to our muscles, giving us strength, then you cease to exist here on planet Earth. I cease to exist on planet Earth. Have you stopped and have you thought of it that way this week? Dang, I do need God to step in and continue to be God in my life and allow me to be in this position that I'm in or allow me to have and do. And what we see from the story is that this guy didn't. He could care less. Man, man, I've worked hard. I've done my, my duty. I've done my, my work. I've pulled myself up. Whatever the case may be, I, God was a, wasn't even a thought in his mind. But how have you been dependent on God? This week, last week, this month, this year, we're five months in. Has there been even an awareness or a thankfulness 
for all that God's done and allowed to happen and do and be. I, I can remember a church that I served at. There was, there was a, a missionary couple to Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea uh, is in that 1040 window. The 1040 window uh, is just the, the least evangelized uh, uh, area in the world. It, it, it's a place on the map that, uh, where, where the gospel is, has not been proclaimed uh, to a majority of the people there. They, they know nothing of Jesus. And so this couple had dedicated their life to going to Papua New Guinea uh, to translate uh, Bibles. Uh, Papua New Guinea, this village had, had no, uh, no knowledge at all of, of Jesus or of God, like who we know God to be, had, had no knowledge at all, no scriptures that, that is in their language. And so this couple had dedicated their life to going and getting to, to know these people here, befriending these people here, living amongst these people, um, and, and translating uh, uh, the scriptures, the New Testament, and then they went back for the Old Testament. But I can remember excuse me, at the church that I was at, they, they ended up coming in from Papua New Guinea, and they, they got to be home for a few years and kind of uh, had a break. And as they were there, I can just remember just listening to them share and present. And I can remember uh, conversations of people like, oh, man, those poor kids. Oh, those poor kids. They, they had kids. I think they had three kids, and they brought them back to the States, which, which most of them knew nothing of the United States and, and life as how, how we live life and how we are in life and technology and the modern uh, stuff that we have uh, access to and things like that. They, they knew none of that. And so they come back, and I can just remember hearing conversations. Man, those poor kids, those poor kids. And I can remember having him over to the church one day, and he was talking with us as a staff. We're just sitting around talking, and, and he made the comment. He's like, don't, don't, don't feel bad for us. We feel bad for y'all. That's a bit offensive. Do what? You feel bad for us. Why do you feel bad for us? He's like, because people in America have everything that they've ever needed. An abundance of more than they'll ever need or ever use or could ever care to use. The technology that they have, the, the stuff that they have. He's like, I, I feel bad for the people here. All the, uh, all the stuff that they have, they don't, they don't, they don't even realize or, or recognize that their need for God or they even walk with God like they should. He's like, God's all we had there. God, we didn't have family. We didn't have, uh, I mean, as people got saved, they became family. As we didn't know what was going to happen to us in those tribes. We didn't know what was going to take place. We would get up, and as we'd get up, we'd try to build a relationship. We would talk, we would share. And then we would go to, to, to translating the scriptures. And so you want to talk about being dependent upon God? Yeah, it's going to be rough for my kids to kind of get acclimated back into culture here. He's like, and that's what scares me to death. It's for them to forget of how great and awesome and mighty God is and all that he's done and accomplished in us and through us as a family. Don't feel sorry for us. We, we, we feel bad for y'all. For y'all. And, and, and how true is that? How true is it that, that we just let life end on us, on self, on our stuff, on what we can accomplish and have and that's what we see happening here in the story, right? He builds a bigger barn. Why? So that he can have more stuff. So he can store up more stuff. And so his stuff can uh, uh, produce for him and, and allow him to get somewhere. And what this does, what this story does is it shows us and it makes evident that God is not his treasure. That, that's what this story reminds us. Is that's, the, that's the heartbreaking reality is that God is not his treasure. Because church, hear me. It's not about us having stuff. It's about when our stuff has us. That's the problem. That's the problem in this story. It's not about him being successful. It's not about him building a new barn. It's not about him having all the stuff. The problem is when his stuff has him. And his stuff has become his treasure. His stuff has become his God. His stuff has become his greatest desire. That's the problem with the story. And so Jesus concludes this story here in verse 21. And he makes, makes clear his point for the crowd of this day, as well as for, for us sitting in this room, because this very well could be us. He says this, so is the one. So, so he takes it from the farmer, and that now he applies it to those hearing the story. So is the one what? The one who is a fool and who will lose his soul in need of relationship with God. That, that's who he's talking about. The, now he's went from the, the story that he's told, now he's putting it back on the crowd that's listening and hearing, and even on us to today. So is the one in this room today who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. So is the one in our day, so is the one in that day, our day, so is the one who lays up treasures for themselves. When it's all about you, man, what can I do to cruise? What can I do just to enjoy? What can I do to be about me, to have self-pleasure, to make, uh, uh, just to be comfortable, to do whatever I want to do, to live however I want to live, and is not rich toward God. And see, this is the only place in the scriptures that you can find this little phrase, rich toward God. 
the only place in the Scriptures that you can find it. This is the only place that, that Jesus uses it that's recorded. And so what, 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 is, what does this mean? What is, what is Jesus saying? See, it's the opposite of laying up earthly treasures for yourself. That's what it is. So being rich toward God is the opposite of treating yourself as though you were made for things and not for God. As though you were made to have stuff and enjoy all this stuff and just to be about stuff. That's what you were created for. You were created for so much. Don't, I mean, don't sell yourself short. Don't run after and chase after the things of this world uh, at the detriment of a relationship with God. At the detriment of your soul being required of you. It's not worth it. It's not great. It's better to be rich toward God than it is to be poor toward God. So much better. So it's the opposite of treating yourself as though you're utmost or you're the most important. See, being rich towards God is, is the opposite of acting as if life consists in the abundance of your stuff. It's not about the abundance of your stuff. It's not. Life is about relationship with God through faith in his son, Jesus. That's what it's about. Just listen for a moment. I just want to read a scripture in John 10.10. 10. It, sa it says this. Because I know even, even as I preached it, even as I looked at it this week in my own life, I'm like, yeah, but what about... But, God, but you know, I love you. I mean, I'd really like to run after that. Uh, I wanted this, and I, I uh, you know, it's, this stings. This, I mean, this is, this is anti-culture today, is it not? Because everything in our world in our day is saying you deserve, you should have, you should go after as hard as you can. I mean, you, you're only going to live to be so, I mean, you can love God in that. And, and yeah, you, yeah, you can. But your heart will be revealed in what you love the most. And, and Jesus says in the scriptures, you can't serve two gods because you'll hate the one and love the other. And, and I, know, I know the pressure that this puts on us, the feel that we feel this morning as a result of this. And, and I just want to remind you, the, the reason why you feel that way is because there's a battle going on. And, and it's a battle, church, worth fighting with everything in us. It, it's a battle worth rising to the occasion of. And submitting and falling into line with what God says. Because, because listen to what he says in John 10, 10. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what he wants, that's what he wants you to know. He, he wants you to know that, that you have an enemy that you are battling. Real, right now, that is, is in you telling you, know, you should have, you deserve, you should give your life for this, you should run after this. They're only young once, they're only little this long, they only do this, that you should fight for, you should spend more hours at work, you should do this, you should do this, you should do that, you, you, should, you should kill yourself for it, you deserve it, you need it. And all of that is just a lie of the devil. The thief, the thief, the one that we battle, the one that comes to do what? Kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus tells us the truth about him. That's what he's telling you. That's what he wants you to believe. That's what he wants us to chase after and go after. The stuff of the world. Love the stuff of the world. Desire it. Do whatever you've got to do to have it. And then Jesus says this, I came that they may have life. But it doesn't stop there. It gets better because he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So ten boats in a shed, five Lamborghinis in the garage, a sneaker collection that would make Michael Jordan blush is not what life's about. I mean, how wasteful and crazy and ridiculous is that? Yeah, but they've worked hard. They, have they worked hard? Maybe they have. Yeah, they, they have. I'll give you that. But who have you worked hard for? Yourself or for God? Who are you working hard for? If you're answering, well, I'm working hard for my family, then you're working hard for the wrong ones. You're working hard for the wrong one. If you're not working hard to glorify God, then it's all in vain and it's worth nothing. And it'll burn up and it'll be, it'll be a part of a yard sale one day is what it'll be. Because I'm telling you, you leave it to your kids, they're going to waste it and do stupid stuff with it. That's just what's going to happen. And that's what Jesus is trying to get us to see here. He has offered us life and life abundant. And life abundant is not what the world portrays and the world shows us and the world tells us and the world tries to get us to chase after and run after. That, that's not life abundant. So, so being rich toward God, this is what being rich toward God is. It's, it's having a heart that's moving toward God as your riches. That's what it is. 
a heart that's moving toward God as your riches. It's, it's, a, it's a heart that's moving toward God as your treasure. It's, it's counting God greater riches than anything else on earth. It means using your earthly riches to show how much you value God, what he means to you, how great he is, that, that he is your greatest desire. I can remember about eight years ago, uh, th- there was a gentleman that, that came here for a short period of time because he was in uh, the school down, down in Spartanburg, VCOM, and he was wanting to be a doctor. And so he comes, and I can remember seeing him here and kind of got to know him a little bit. And one day I meet him for lunch just to kind of get to know him because he's an outsider. had come in. He had made this his home church. And as he did, we got to, to talk a little bit and get to know each other. And I'm sitting there at lunch, and I'm like, all right, tell me a little bit about you. So he tells me where he's from and all those type of things. He grew up in the church, loves the Lord. He, he's a man that loves Jesus, and he doesn't just say it. He really does. And, and so he's going into medicine. I said, so, so why medicine? Why do you want to be a doctor? And I, like, I, like, I'm just waiting for like, the cool, like, really cool like, answer. Um, and he goes, because I want to make as much money as I can. I was like, dang. I'm like, that, that's, I didn't say this out loud, but I thought, dude, like, that's, pretty, that's, I mean, that's pretty bold, brazen. Like, I mean, because he forgot who he was eating lunch with. And so, because, yeah, I just, I just want to make as much money as I possibly can. I said, okay. He's like, but this is why I want to make as much money as I possibly can. Because I want to give away as much money as I possibly can for the, for the building up of the kingdom. That's what I want to do. So he wants to accrue and make and get as much as he can so that he can bless others for the kingdom of God. So, so he can send people to go across the world to share the gospel in that 1040 window where people will never ever hear the name of Jesus if we don't get off of our blessed assurance and go do something about it. He wants to give money to ministries that are going to take care of, of the used and the abused the ones that nobody else cares for. He, he, wants, to, he wants to spend his finances at, to, to fight sex trafficking. He wants to spend his finances to, 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 to defend the, the, the widows and the orphans and to take care of them in their time of distress. He wants to spend his finances uh, uh, giving it to the church right, so the church can, can take the gospel and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and see people truly start to live life abundantly. And I thought as I talked to him and as I thought of this story and reflected back on that day, I thought, man, this is a guy that gets it. This is a guy that understands, understands some things. And see, this is, the pro, this, is, this is where the prosperous farmer, this is what he failed to do. This is what he failed to think about. And the sad, heartbreaking reality is that he was a fool who lost his soul, not because he was rich and had stuff, but because his wealth and his stuff was his treasure and his God. What he had was more important than the one he should have had relationship with walking with so as the band comes back up we need to know some things the same will happen to us if we're not careful and guard our heart the same will happen to us if we're not rich toward god the same will happen for us see riches and stuff can very easily entice and lure our heart away from treasuring god very easily and that's why we need people in our life to help us because we are blinded by the desire of our hearts the longings of the flesh, and we need people in our life to, to share and tell us the truth. And so the, the issue in this story is not that the man's field prospered. The, the issue is that God wasn't his treasure. Not once in this story does he give credit and glory to the one that, that allowed the rain to come and the crops to, to pop up. Not once did he give glory to the one who created the wood that could make his barn, that he could store his stuff. Not once did he give credit and glory to the one that allowed him to even be able to bend over and pick the stuff. It was all about what he could get and what he could do and what would happen to him. So, so hear me, graduates. I know you've dispersed and you're back with your people. Listen to me. Go to school and learn as much as you can. Get as smart as you can and never forget the one who gave you the ability to do that. And you go make as much money as you possibly can. Well, so that you can do the same thing that we know that this guy in the story didn't do. Do the opposite thing of this guy in the story. And that you can support and that you can be a part of the kingdom of God and you can use what God blesses you with to build his kingdom. To further his kingdom. It's not about somebody getting rich here. It's about the gospel going out and people getting to know the truth about who Jesus Christ is. That's what it's about. So what is it that you treasure the most? And church, I'm not interested in how you answer that. Let me ask your kids for a minute. Let me ask your spouse. Let me ask your coworker. Let me ask your best friend. And let's see what, how they answer that question. What is it that so-and-so treasures the most and values the most and wants more than anything else? 
Now think about that this morning. How not would you answer? Because I know how we answer. We always think a little more highly of ourselves than we ought to. I'm talking about how would that person in your life that really, really knows you that wouldn't care to answer truthfully about you? What would they say? And then maybe this morning we just ask God to show us how we can express with our riches that He is our treasure. God, you, you, you bless us. And, and those of us sitting in this room are a part of the world's most wealthiest population. Just by living where you live and being where you, you're at and, and being uh, in the United States of America, in this country, you are amongst the wealthiest of the people in this world. So how can you use your wealth to show that he's your treasure? To show that he is the greatest thing in your life? How can you bless others because God has blessed you? What can you do to make God's glory known? What can you do? I mean, we, we, we have tons of ministries here that, 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 that we try to support, that we try to give to, that we try to, to serve. T- tons of ministries. And so, and I would encourage you to give to the church. To, to be a part that, that gives. And in doing that, what you're saying is, God, I trust you. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give. The, and look, we've already taken up the offering, so there's no more offering to be taken up. They're not going to, hey, boys, get the place. There's none of that. I know it kind of like makes me feel like, oh, he's talking about money. Oh, my gosh. What's he going to? The money's about that. It's about to build the kingdom. And, and us giving is, is, is worship. And in us giving, saying, God, I trust you with this. I, I trust you to take this and to use this to build your kingdom. Yeah, this is money I could use. This is stuff that I could have. This is stuff that I could spend on. Uh, but, 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 but the world needs to hear the gospel more than I need another pair of whatever. Or I need another thing to do this. Or I need another whatever there. So, so the church is a way to give. And another thing that, that's coming is, is a daycare. I, I read a statistic um, a few weeks ago that, that said this. It said that... Uh, if, if someone doesn't come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior by the, before they graduate, then there's a 6% chance that they'll be saved after graduation. 6%. And church, what I'm going to tell you right now is what I love about the after-school ministry, what I absolutely love about the heart of this daycare, is that the gospel is on the forefront of everything that they do. The devotions that they have, the chapels that they're going to have, the, um, the, the, the things that they do, the, the, the way that they, the, these teachers love on these kids and share the gospel with these kids, put their arm around these kids, pray for these kids. I mean, we've, we've, had, we've had teachers wash their feet to, to show them and give them the example of, uh, of what Jesus was doing. They, uh, we've had teachers um, uh, in the middle of something happening just to stop and to pray. And, and, and in that, uh, a few weeks later, we've had kids pray for other kids because they fell down and, and bumped their knee on the playground. And one just runs over and lays hands on him and starts praying for him. I mean, I mean that, that's kingdom investment is what it is. Kingdom investment. Uh, we, we had a phone call this, this week of a family that's going to be moving up from, from the coast are moving over from the coast, and they, they were talking that they had been pointed to this, this direction, and it's a younger family that has, has some little ones, and uh, they're going to be looking for a church, and they're going to be looking for a daycare and a place to put their kids as, as, they, as they both work, and they want a, a good, safe place that, uh, that's going to be gospel-driven, and someone give them our name and number. And so they're coming by tomorrow to check the place out and to, to tour and to, to kind of figure out and see what's happening around here and what God's doing, and, and we're going to have an opportunity to meet, and, and hopefully one day we can, we can gain them, not just in a daycare, but in the church. And so that, that, that's what it's about. It's about taking the gospel and sharing it. It's about getting the word of Jesus Christ out. And so I, I just want to lay before us something. I, I want to I lay before us this. The, the, the startup of, of this, this daycare is, um, it is progressing very, very well. And, and we'll have DSS in here soon and uh, uh, get the final approval and things like that. But, but there's, there's a cost. And what I want to do is I want to lay before us as a church an opportunity to bless them. I want to lay before us as a church an opportunity to, to step in and see what God can do. And, and I don't know why, this is on my heart. This morning as I was praying and looking, kind of working through the remainder of this, and what I want to do is I want to lay a number out there for us as a church to see if we can meet in the next four weeks to help bless them, to help them get started with getting stuff in their rooms. There's things that they need. There's things that they'll be able to do. Well, don't they have money in their account? Yeah, they have money in their account. 
But, but what if they didn't have to tap into that money and they could use this other money to do something else with too? To, to be able to love on kids even more, to be able to share with kids even more, to be able to do some other things with kids that maybe they weren't going to be able to do because of that. So, so I want to lay before us this $10,000 in the next four weeks. $10,000 in the next four weeks. And so um, tonight we'll have up on our app an opportunity where you can go and you can give through our app or you can give online. You can do those type of things. And you can designate it for there. You can write a check and designate it for it and put it in the boxes or, or however you want to. But I'm going to lay it before us. Because church, through the after-school ministry, we've seen parents saved. We've seen kids saved. We've seen uh, uh, kids come to know Jesus deeper. I, I mean, the after-school ministry this past year has given away $20,000, close to $20,000 in free child care to single moms, to, to those struggling, hurting, that need help. And what it has done for us as a church, the amount of people that have come to this church as a result of. So, so I'm just going to lay it out there. $10,000 if we can do that next four weeks. See what happens. I don't know. See what God will do. But my question is this. Treasure most. And the sad reality, a lot of the times, is connected to our bank account. What we treasure, what we value the most, is connected to our bank account. And what Jesus says is this, is that if he is not our treasure, not the greatest thing that we value, the greatest thing that we run after and desire and long for the most, then we need to check our heart and we need to make sure it's in the right place or we need to make sure we're even his. That's what he's saying here in this parable. So I don't know what God's put on your heart, I don't know what he's pressed you with, I don't know what he's challenged you with this morning as a result of. I'm just going to lay it there and let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does and let him work. Father, help us this morning to hear from you, to follow after you, to be obedient in whatever it is that you would call us to do in this moment. Father, I just pray that you would just reveal things in our heart, that if they're not in line with who you are and what you've come to do and what you've accomplished through the way of your son, Father, that you'd convict us and draw us. God, you don't need me to tell people to give you. you you'll do that. And so, Father, this morning, there's no guilt tripping. There's none of that. There, there's this. There's the desire for us to check our heart and make sure. And I would not be doing what you've called me to do if I don't lay that before us. And ask the men and women in this room, what's your greatest desire? And if there's anything else other than Jesus that you would answer or would be evident in your life, then there's a problem. And so, Father, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would just draw us, remind us, convict us, and do a work in us. So, Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promise. Thank you for showing and sharing with us what life is all about. It's about a relationship with your son, Jesus. Father, now help us to walk that out in glad obedience. In your name we pray. Amen.